Smallfoot, Stephen Hawking, and scientism. What do they all have in common? Let's find out on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host. Uh, for the time we have together, yours truly, Brian Chilton. We want to remind you that the Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com, and our hope and prayer is that you'll go over to the website, and while you're there, uh, simply subscribe. It's easy to do. You simply enter in your uh, email address, and uh, what it'll do is basically anytime an article or one of these podcasts uh, are produced and published, uh, you'll receive that article or, in, uh, or a podcast in your inbox for free. Again, it's absolutely free to do, and so we encourage you to do that, and and um, and, and also take uh, Biblical Tour Chris, Christie podcast with you on the go, and uh, and by doing so, uh, just uh, you can subscribe to several apps. We're on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, as well as Google Play, and uh, so be sure to subscribe, leave a good review, and that'll help us uh, to. Uh, to be seen by more people, share the podcast, share the website, share anything that you find uh, um, helpful, and so we'll, we again we'll greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, today I want to talk about uh, there's there's several different things uh, we're going to discuss. I've got several clips I want to play for you as well. Uh, this is a power packed episode. We're going to uh, talk about scientism, and in doing so, we're going to uh, discuss discuss two different things taking place right now uh, going on in popular society. We want to talk about uh, a, a movie called Smallfoot, and I have uh, been, two or three people have told me about this movie, and I just happened to stumble across an article by Alan Schliemann of Stand to Reason where he discusses the movie as well. And so, I, I just want to give the caveat that I have not seen the movie. Okay, I have not seen the movie. So, uh, but but I, seeing enough of the trailers and hearing enough consistently from people who have seen the movie and and hearing, it seems to be that there is an implicit anti-religious bias in the movie, particularly looking toward Christianity. Now again, I want to give the caveat that I have not seen the movie myself. I am kind of interested. And Alan Schleeman, um, he even says that the movie is not a bad movie per se. Uh, it's well produced, 
but there are some of these topics that may evoke questions, and, and he suggests just be ready to discuss some of the issues uh, with your children and teenagers if you do choose to see the movie. Well, what I want to first of all do is I want to play the trailer uh, to kind of let you know if you you may have seen this advertised in the in the you know at the movies at the movie theater on television. To be honest, I guess I'm kind of in uh, with my PhD work. I've been inundated with books and research. I guess I may have been uh, <laughs> just out of the loop because I don't think that I had even heard of this this movie before. So I want to play a trailer uh, for Smallfoot, and then I want to go back and talk about the movie just a little bit from what Alan Schliemann has shared. Then I want to talk about uh, Stephen Hawking and his latest book. We're going to talk a little bit today about scientism and the, and, uh, the problem of scientism and look at five areas that science cannot prove. And then we're going to play... To back up uh, the statements I give, we're going to play some clips by uh, Dr. John Lennox, double doctorate, uh, who is a professor at Oxford University. I've had a chance to meet Dr. Lennox, a wonderful man, highly, highly intelligent. Of course, that goes without saying. Uh, but uh, we're going to play a clip from him, and then we're going to also conclude the podcast today with a, a clip from uh, William Lane Craig and J.P. Moreland as they also discuss the issue of uh, scientism and the problems of scientism. And as J.P. Moreland is going to say, I'm going to concur, I, neither I, J.P. Moreland, William Lane Craig, John Lennox, none of us are saying that science is bad. We're not saying that. We're not saying that at all. We're just saying that science is not the only means to know truth, and that's the problem of scientism. So we're going to play this trailer for you right now, uh, this trailer of Smallfoot, and then we'll begin talking about the movie itself. Hey, everyone! Listen, listen, gather around. Okay, I saw a monster! It came at me from out of the sky, and it made a sound like... And then bam, and that's when it scooped me up, and I was like... Then I saw it. A mythical creature I had only heard existed in legend. Look at your small foot. Oh my gosh, it's a small foot! Come back! No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No. I did. No. I saw it. It doesn't exist. Can't this ridiculous story and tell the truth. I am. Telling the truth. We believe you. Nietzsche? Welcome to the SES. Stands for Smallfoot Exists, suckers. We have been collecting proof of the Smallfoot's existence. Behold, the scroll of invisible wisdom. Imagine the amazing stuff they put on here. This proves nothing. Look, I know what I saw, and I'm going to prove it. Ah, he's gone. Oh, boy. Oh, holy wildness. Introduce myself. Hi, I'm. Oh, look at you! You're adorable. Uh, Smallfoot. 
Oh, that's supposed to fall out like that? <laughs> the world is a mysterious place. There are marvels of nature just waiting to be discovered by those who are daring enough to look. Marvels like the creature I had only heard existed in legend. A mythical monster straight out of your worst nightmares with wild eyes and a hideous face and feet that were amazingly, freakishly small! It's a terrifying creature with perfect white teeth and breath that just smells all minty fresh. And only hair it has on its entire body is on the top of its head! Amigo, you're scaring him. Hey, don't be scared. It's look, it's just a story. Everyone knows that the small foot isn't real. <gasps> or is it? <laughs> oh, that's nice. Real nice. Way to scar him for life. Okay, so that is the uh, trailer for Smallfoot, and uh, uh, basically just shows the, uh, looking at the animation, it, it is well produced, it's, there's a blockbuster, uh, cast Channing Tatum is one of them, Common is another, and uh, just, uh, I think I may have seen Danny DeVito, but I may have been mistaken just in the clips, but uh, just a blockbuster cast of stars uh, in this movie produced by Warner uh, Brothers Animation Studio. Uh, so, Alan Schleeman has seen the movie, and uh, he tells, he says that the movie is about a yeti, a snowman, an abominable snowman, Bigfoot, who discovers a human being. And there is a stonekeeper, you heard uh, you heard a clip with the stonekeeper, uh, who is a religious figure, someone like the Moses of the Ten Commandments. He keeps the rules of life for the tribe of yetis, and these rules are exposed uh, in, throughout the movie to be lies to instill fear that apparently not e not even the stonekeeper and the ancestors who passed down these myths believe themselves. Uh, these rules are, are 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 based to instill fear in the yetis and keep them in line. Uh, they're they're based on a uh, ridiculous creation myth, which is itself exposed to be a falsehood. And so um, science is viewed in this as as progress and disproves the creation myths tradition and ideas are bad whereas progress and new ideas are good um, questions are, dis are discouraged by the stone master and the yetis are told to push their questions down don't ask these type of questions okay and the main yeti provides evidence of a small foot a human being who according to the myths of the stone master and the and of the community are seen to be dangerous and uh, Alan Schleeman of Stand to Reason says that uh, the the movie has a good messages, um, like the quest for truth, the need for the quest for truth, and the need to expose the truth, and the need to know other people. These are all admirable qualities. The main problem he has with the movie, and is the same problem I've heard other people have, is is the presentation of religion as being this backwards type of philosophy that uh, that no one believes. Now, having said that, there are, um, I believe Plato, if I'm not mistaken, even advocated uh, telling lies, uh, exposing, telling truths uh, to, to, about God and things of this nature to give people purpose. 
the 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 um, the, the society of yetis in this movie are shown to be without purpose whenever these these creation myths are exposed to be falsehoods. Um, the problem is is that it presents religion, especially it tends to be Christianity, in the light of of promoting falsehoods, promoting ideas that are. Uh, that, that that are that are that are opposed to science, opposed to philosophy and things of that nature. Um, the problem is with that is is that Christianity is not based on falsehoods. Individuals from the earliest times who who were talking about the Exodus, in fact, several times over in the in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, uh, the the Exodus and uh, Passover. Are mentioned several times over. They're saying they're telling about this because they believe it to be true. Uh, the early church had these creeds, these testimoniums, where they look back to the early church to the events that happened in Jesus's life. They held them to be true. Okay, they didn't think that Jesus's resurrection was some myth or fable. They held it to be reality. Okay, so so the problem with the movie is that it would be easy for people to cast all of Christianity and all of religion in alongside this type of stone master archetype that's presented in the movie. Now, having said that, let me say that some people do present Christianity and religion in the same manner that the stone master does. And I think that in one sense it is good this movie is good exposing that type of philosophy, and if that is the means by which we are teaching people Christianity, then I think there is a strong message that we need to stop doing that. We need to allow ideas. We need to have. We need to. to uh, we need to welcome questions that people have because if the truth is on our side, if we are really telling the truth, if Jesus Christ really is the Son of God, if God really does exist, then we have nothing to fear by these questions. It's only those who do not explore the truth, those are the ones who are the most antagonistic to questions, even in Christian leadership. So I think that there are some areas where this movie is to be commended. There are, though, some, some, some signs, though, that uh, it's, it's taken the route of, of claiming that atheism or reason or scientism is the means, uh, the ultimate means to know truth. Um, for instance, I, I thought I heard a clip, and I may be mistaken, but I thought I heard a clip of someone being called Nietzsche in, in uh, this SES, this Small Fit Exists Society. Um, and if if so, that may be a kind of a wink and a nod to Friedrich Nietzsche, the the famed atheist philosopher. So there are, you know, just from what little bit I've seen of the movie, and again, I haven't seen the movie, just from the clips, from the trailers, and from from those who have seen the movie, kind of secondhand information, I, I grant you that, it seems like there is maybe this implicit bias against Christianity, against religion in general, and particularly Christianity. So it seems to be that scientism is promoted in this movie. Now, I mentioned that on this podcast because I also want to talk about someone else, uh, the focus of who of whom this uh, podcast was was uh, to be, uh, one Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking is the famed physicist who uh, has done a lot of work on, um, on on black holes 
and um, and, and just done a lot of great research on that. His last last book, which was um, published po- uh, posthumously after he passed away, is what that means posthumously, has several holds several essays that Hawking wrote. Uh, depicting his view of God, the 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 lack of need for a God, and the afterlife. Uh, Hawking takes an interesting perspective. He holds that the brain is like a computer, and so when the computer shuts down, it's done. You know, you have no need for an afterlife. He doesn't believe in God, nor does he, he does he believe that there is a need for God. And he the reason he says this in his book called Brief Answers to the Big Questions is he claims quantum phys, if quantum particles can pop into existence from nothing and thereby eliminate the need for God. And so he claims that atheism is a fairy tale for those afraid of the dark. Now, John Lennox has said, and we have a clip by him here in a few moments we're going to play, he says that uh, atheism is a, a fairy tale for those afraid of the light, and I think he's right about that. Uh, the problem is, is that si- Stephen Hawking, and, and I'll just say, admit I'm not a physicist nor a physicist's son, but Stephen Hawking presents some false information. And he, he in, in the information he provides is that it is a philosophical one to, to a degree. But he's not being completely honest with the data. Stephen Hawking says that these quantum particles seemingly pop into existence from nothing, but he's not telling you the whole truth. There are these quantum fields that exist, and there are these quantum vacuums. They are very physical things. A quantum vacuum is a physical thing. A quantum field is a physical thing. Quantum particles are physical things. So these particles don't pop out of nothing, meaning no thing. They pop out of these vacuums, these, these physical vacuums, into this universe from the vacuum into this universe and back out of the universe into the vacuum. Or, you know, so they pop in and out from a a vacuum that is, um, that you probably just can't see. But that doesn't mean that the physical vacuum is not there. That doesn't mean that it's operating in a, a, by means that, is nothing by the sense of no thing. These particles are not spontaneously creating themselves. It's a misnomer. They are popping in and out of. They're popping in and out of the universe. They're popping in and out of uh, of a particular space time from a from a quantum vacuum. But they're not popping out of nothingness. They're popping in and out of a quantum vacuum. Is what I'm trying to say. And uh, and, and so anyhow, the he's not being completely honest with the data. So. Even Lawrence Krauss, who made a similar claim, admitted that when he talks about nothing, he's not really meaning the f- nothing as noted by philosophers as being no thing, the, the, the lack of presence of anything uh, or presence of anything material. He is saying they're coming from these vacuums, which are physical things. Now, having said that, there, scientism, Hawking is promoting scientism. The movie Smallfoot is promoting scientism. What is scientism? Scientism is the belief that the only way to know truth is through the scientific method. However, there are areas where science cannot prove. 
This is even conceded by the University of Ber uh, California at Berkeley, one of the more liberal uh, universities in the entire nation. They had a page on science uh, that, they that they listed four of these things. The, the five things that science cannot prove is, number one, science cannot make moral judgments. You cannot put, uh, you cannot use the scientific method to say that Hitler was wrong in in killing eleven million individuals. You cannot say you cannot make moral judgments by science. Okay, uh, you cannot. Science cannot make aesthetic judgments, judgments about beauty, uh, judgments about what is what is considered uh, beautiful and ugly. It can't make judgments like that. Science cannot make metaphysical judgments, uh, even saying that the external is real or that there are, are other minds that exist. And some people would even say that science uh, can, can, can give us hints but, uh, that God exists and can give us hints in this matter, but it can never conclusively prove or disprove God because God is beyond the scope of Science, he is beyond the scope of this universe. Science can only test those things which are observable, and part of the universe. Some people would even say, some people may even add another, uh, a couple more things that I'll mention here in just a few moments uh, toward, uh, after I, I mention these five, but I'll, I'll focus on the main five and, um, and then go from there. But, um, but it cannot make metaphysical judgments. Science cannot make logical and mathematical judgments. Okay, abstract ideas like math, numbers, um, logic, these are above and beyond the scope of the scientific method. Now, the scientific method may use logic, the scientific method may use mathematics, but it's not tested the by seven scientific methodology. So, science cannot make logical and mathematical judgments. Ironically, science cannot even make and, and make it the need for its science itself. You cannot science the need for sci the scientific methodology is coming from one's logic, is coming from one's uh, moral judgment of, of how is best to understand truth. It's a philosophical aspect that uh, that's taking place there. So science cannot make moral judgments. Science cannot make aesthetic judgments. Science cannot make metaphysical judgments. Science cannot make logical and mathematical judgments. And science cannot even uh, make the judgment that science itself is needed. Okay, but I think there are actually a couple of other areas that you could even make this into seven. Science cannot make. Uh, cannot prove what has happened historically. Now, again, you can use the science of archaeology to help make the case. But in the end, you're going to make a courtroom case as far as what happens. And you're going to use science and you're going to use other data to, to bring a logical conclusion from the data that you have. So you cannot put like Abraham Lincoln in a test tube. Now, you can test his remains. Okay, and that that part that's bringing science in into exist, you know, into the into the case. But to make a case that Abraham Lincoln, say for instance, delivered the Emancipation Proclamation, you may have data somehow or another here. You may have data somewhere there, but you cannot necessarily prove scientifically that something in the past happened uh, in that matter. Also, science cannot uh, make a claim of purpose. Uh, science cannot make uh, 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 give a person purpose. 
that is beyond the scope of science itself. So there are several things that science cannot do, and I'm sure as we study this more and as we consider uh, consider these details more, there may be other areas that one can say that science cannot prove. Well, with that being said, I want to um, go to a clip where John Lennox is talking about this very issue. John Lennox has, um, has two uh, doctorate degrees, I think maybe even three, but I know two of doctorate degrees in uh, mathematics, uh, I believe in philosophy as well, if I'm not mistaken. But he's going to talk about quantum physics and this, and this uh, idea that uh, uh, Stephen Hawking has made in his in his writing. So let's listen to John Lennox right now, and then we'll come back and conclude with another clip from J.P. Moreland and William Lane Craig. The quote is made by Hawking, and I'm going to give my best memory of uh, memory of this. He says, "Because there's a law like gravity, the universe can and will create itself out of nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather yes. than nothing." And then I think there was an addendum: you don't need God. Uh, to account for the universe. This was a little bit of a retraction because maybe Hawking in the past had a little bit of an open door about that. He did. He left the question open at the end of the mind of God, but yeah. he's come out clearly as an atheist. It's that quotation that you just made that was the motivation for me writing the book. I was shown that just before Hawking's mm -hmm. book appeared and asked by a national newspaper to comment on it. And I was so amazed at this. Because there is a law of gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. And I thought, hang on a minute. That's a flat contradiction. Because there is a law of gravity, that is because there is something, mm. the universe creates itself from nothing. I mean, that's just flat contradiction. And then I thought, but wait a minute. Because there is a law of gravity. He doesn't even say because there is gravity. And it seemed to me there that he's become a victim of thinking that has become a little bit popular in academic circles, that laws can create things, mm. which is nonsense, of course. Unfortunately, the financial crisis came about by that. People thought that the laws of mathematics could create money, but they can't create mm. anything at all. More seriously, perhaps still, in that sentence, the universe will create itself. Now, if I say X creates Y, what do those words mean? Well, if I've got X, it'll produce Y. So if I say, if X creates X, what does that mean? It means if I've got X, it'll produce X. And in the book I just put, as it came out in the film, I say, well, that just proves that nonsense remains nonsense, even if spoken mm. by uh, uh, very clever uh, that scientists. That got one of the biggest laughs of the whole day. Yes, I and mean, what I... people don't realize is that here is Hawking. He's a brilliant, famous scientist. He was just ahead of me at Cambridge. I remember it very well. I've no quibble with the science, but it's what he deduces from it is the problem. And it reminds me of something that's very important in this area, Rice, and it's this. Statements of scientists aren't always statements of science, but the trouble is because they've got authority, people think this is an authoritative statement of science, and that Hawking has solved the mystery of the existence of the universe. He hasn't. He's given a statement that has three distinct levels of contradiction built within it. That's not a very good start. Mm.
really the essence of what Hawking is saying is, is that nothing can produce everything, but, yes. but they don't really mean nothing by that. No, they don't mean nothing by that. And that's immensely important. Actually, I find it highly amusing what's going on, because here we have the most ironic situation in history. For centuries, scientists believed that the universe had existed forever, because that's what Aristotle had taught. The Bible, however, had been insisting for millennia in the beginning God created the universe. There was a beginning. Science caught up with that in the 1960s. Mm. And I remember that because when the evidence for a, a beginning to space-time came in, the leading members of the British scientific establishment said, we don't go down that road. Why? It'll give too much leverage to people who mm. believe the Bible. Mm. Now we're in the situation where the general opinion of cosmologists is space-time had a beginning, okay? So what was there before? Nothing, absolutely nothing. In the philosophical sense, absence of anything. But you can't get a universe from nothing. So the way they now do it is to redefine nothing. I mean, Lawrence Krauss, who's an astrophysicist, says something. Oh my goodness, I, you, I don't, never, you get on to him. I, well, I, I'm interested in anything you hilarious. have to say about him. It is it's hilarious. absolutely hilarious, I'm afraid. Forgive me. But he says, because something is physical, nothing must be physical, especially if you define it as the absence of something. Well, that's sheer nonsense. Yeah, just, now, I had the opportunity to debate with Alan Guth, who's the father yes, yes. of inflation theory at the Harvard MIT. Board Guth and Vilenkin, yeah. brilliant mathematicians. And I had a very friendly public debate at the Harvard MIT faculty club. And I asked Alan publicly, I said, you know, there's a there's much ado about nothing going on about there. People outside, people are really confused about nothing. Now, Alan, I said, when you talk about nothing as a cosmologist, you don't mean what most of us mean by nothing, absence of anything. No, he said, we don't. They talk about a quantum vacuum and they talk about, but that isn't nothing. And so the public is being confused. And I say it's, it's ironic because here are these very intelligent people writing endless books and getting something from nothing, but to do it they have to redefine nothing. They have not solved the question. Whereas, from the Christian point of view, the question is solved. Because there wasn't nothing, there was God who's non-physical. God is spirit, and he caused it all to be, and he supports it in being. That makes perfect sense. The other doesn't. Wow, I, I, this is... <laughs> Uh, again, the book God and Stephen Hawking. Uh, Dr. Lennox, just thinking about this, when, let, me, let me try to just summarize in, in essence. It, when, you're, when you're asked for evidence for God, when you're asked for the evidence for God, the beginning of the universe, you either have one or two things. The atheist says, well, it could be gravity. Hawking says it's gravity. Yes, wherever that, that comes from. So there's it's, no it's, explanation it's an eternal where law just from. hanging there, or yes. there's an eternal lawgiver. So really, we're within the intellectual bounds to say it's, it's far more reasonable to oh, present a, a lawgiver than a law. I would always prefer a theory that actually explains something than one that doesn't, and something that stands to reason than one that doesn't. And uh, when it comes to the beginning, the biblical view makes perfectly intelligible sense. It certainly, at the very least, uh, has the right to sit at the table. Mm -hmm. I think it's more. I think it's actually true. And I think that the atheist view actually is incoherent at this point. I can't stress enough how important this video is. You ought to watch it again and again. We'll have other videos. We'll be recommending, of course, the book, God and Stephen. Okay, so uh, that is the... Uh, that is a. Uh 
discussion with Rice uh, Brooks about uh, John Lennox's book, God and Stephen Hawking's, where he deals with this issue about uh, Hawking's claims. I, I think this video came out in 2014, so this is not anything new. Hawking's claim, the claims that he presents in his last book, is nothing new. And as uh, John Lennox has said, far more knowledgeable than I am or or probably ever will be uh, is, is he is you know graduate of Cambridge University he studied this area he knows his stuff and he has come right out to say and even Alan Guth uh, one of the inventors one of the uh, discoverers of the borg vilenkin guth theorem has has come out to say that uh, when physicists are talking about nothing they don't mean nothing as we mean it they're talking about a quantum vacuum which is a very physical thing now we're going to conclude the podcast today uh, with a video, uh, uh, an audio clip about five minutes long. This is uh, from uh, uh, William Lane Craig. It's going to have a little discussion from William Lane Craig. It's going to have uh, a debate that he was in. He's going to go over some of the information we have today discussing uh, the, the areas that science cannot prove. And then J.P. Moreland is going to conclude uh, with a, a clip, a discussion he gives, talking about his encounter with an individual and uh, and, and the, the problems of scientism. After which, this, uh, this podcast will conclude. We thank you for for listening today. This is Brian Chilton, and this is the Bellator Christie Podcast. We're going to conclude with the words of J.P. Moreland and William Lane Craig, and again, we thank you for listening today. Let's go to the clip right now. Consider the statement, quote, we should only believe what can be scientifically proven, end quote. Can that statement be scientifically proven? Well, obviously not. And thus the scientific naturalist's position refutes itself, and so it cannot be true. But um, do you deny that science cannot account for everything? Yes, I do deny that science So can what account. can't it account for? Well, I, had you brought that up in the debate, I had a number of examples that I was going to give. Uh, I think there are a good number of things that cannot be scientifically proven, but that we're all rational to accept. Let, so, me, list, let me list five. Logical and mathematical truths cannot be proven by science. Science presupposes logic and math, so that to try to prove them by science would be arguing in a circle. Uh, metaphysical truths, like there are other minds other than my own, or that the external world is real, or that the past was not created five minutes ago with an appearance of age are rational beliefs that cannot be scientifically proven. Ethical beliefs about statements of value uh, are not accessible by the scientific method. You can't show by science whether the Nazi scientists in the camps did anything evil as opposed to the scientists in Western democracies. Aesthetic judgments, number four, cannot be accessed by the scientific method because the beautiful, like the good, cannot be scientifically proven. And finally, most remarkably, would be science itself. Science cannot be justified by the scientific method. Science is permeated with um, unprovable assumptions. For example, in the special theory of relativity, the whole theory hinges on the assumption that the speed of light is constant in a one-way direction between any two points A and B. But that strictly cannot be proven. We simply have to assume that in order to hold to the theory. But you're missing the whole... So put you... that in your pipe and smoke. Yeah. So okay. we are, none of these beliefs can be scientifically proven, and yet they are accepted by all of us, and we're rational in doing so. Years ago, I was speaking at an evangelistic event in Baltimore, Maryland, 
and I was told that there was a very vicious atheist uh, who was a, had his PhD from Johns Hopkins University and been an engineer for 30 years, really hated Christianity, and a person was going to bring his boss uh, to this little evangelistic gathering where I was going to be sharing my faith. Well, I was at the hors d'oeuvre table before the event got going, and I saw this gentleman walk in the door with his boss. And sure enough, they made a beeline to the hors d'oeuvre table, and uh, this, this uh, friend of mine introduced me to this gentleman. And no sooner did we exchange pleasantries when he said, well, I understand that you're a philosopher and a theologian. And I said, well, I give it my best shot. <laughs> and he said, yeah, he said, I used to be interested in that myself when I was a teenager. But I've outgrown it now because I realize now that if you can't test it and quantify your data and measure it in the laboratory, it's nothing but a bunch of idle speculation and hot air. You ever heard anybody express that attitude? A lot of people have that attitude. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I let him go for about another two minutes. And then I interrupted him and said, excuse me, but uh, I have a question I'm a little bit puzzled. If I understand you correctly, if you can't quantify something in the lab and test it scientifically, then the assertion is nothing but idle speculation of a bunch of hot air. And he said, that's absolutely right. He said, I've believed this for a long time. And I said, well, you've said 30 or 40 sentences uh, that have come out of your mouth in the last two minutes. And of the 30 or 40 things you've said, I can't think of a single thing that can be tested scientifically. I said, if I'm wrong, would you show me which statement you've made that is scientifically testable? But if I'm right, do you see my dilemma? What you've been saying for the last two minutes is nothing but a bunch of... <laughs> well, he changed the subject very quickly. But... But the point is that when people tell you that science is the only way we can know things or it's the only thing that's true, uh, that statement can't be true and it can't be known to be true. And so statements like this are false. Science, ladies and gentlemen, is a wonderful gift from God, and I'll say that before I close again. But it is only one way of knowing reality. It's important, but there are many ways to know reality outside of science. And the statement that science is the only way we can know reality is not itself something that can be known by science, and it is a self-refuting claim. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi Podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Crucified.